Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, your host of That Girl, the podcast. I'm an author, performer, two-time Emmy Award winner, human relationship specialist, and founder of the wellness website, loveyoueavenmore.com. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and experts in their field to have powerful, motivational, and enlightened conversations about relationships, self-development, and how you can live your most authentic life. Follow us for daily updates on myself and the podcast at That Girl the Podcast and at Jackie Prubaker on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and our Patreon page. While you're at it, make sure to check out my new wellness website, loveyoueavenmore.com. If you're wanting to dig into developing more self-worth, be healthier about relationships, and learn how to date smarter, go to loveyoueavenmore.com and follow us on Instagram at loveyoueavenmore. Welcome Sarah K. Ramsey to That Girl, the podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about toxic people, and this is her specialty. She understands what they look like, how to work with them, how to keep yourself safe, and how to grow and learn from them. And we're really going to talk about how to better do this with toxic people. So what I like to do with my guests is I like them to give a little brief introduction of who they are because you guys always do a better job than I can. So Sarah K. Ramsey, which there's a story she's about to tell about this. Welcome and tell us about yourself. Awesome, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I, there is a story to my name because Sarah Ramsey put up with a lot of stuff she should not have. And Sarah K. Ramsey knows better. Sarah K. Mm. Ramsey is toxic person proof. Uh, It's kind of similar to bulletproof, but toxic person proof. And uh, I was just the classic good girl, right? I just really thought, oh, if I was good and I was nice to everyone, then people would be nice back. And, you know, it's always funny because people doing this work, people say, oh, have you been in a toxic relationship? And I'm like, oh, how nice of you to think it's just one. How nice of you <laughs> to think I, this is one person, right? And it's just because, one instance and now I'm all better. <laughs> exactly. Now, if only, right? If only. Uh, um, so, but I really see so many women who are high achieving in so many different areas. Um, and then they have this like, toxic person problem. Um, And sometimes it's romantic. Sometimes it's a toxic parent who they're always trying to please and never quite, uh, never quite can, Mm -hmm. or they've made sacrifices in their career and put up with really toxic behavior in their career to get ahead. So I like to call it a toxic person encounter. Okay. Because a toxic relationship, there's a context, there's an assumption almost that I'm a domestic violence specialist. Um, And I have dealt and helped lots of people through domestic violence. But by that point, you're talking about stage four cancer, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And in the conversation around toxic people, I want to get into stage one, precancerous cells, cancer prevention, right? Not only getting into how to leave a relationship if someone's been physically violent towards you. I think that's the, it's a worthy conversation, Yeah, but it's not the whole conversation. Right. Let's, and I don't think it's the best conversation that I'm equipped for, which is uh, those precancer cells and making sure this doesn't happen to you again. Right. Preventative. That's so true. Well, you know, 
you and I both are high achieving women and I've definitely had people pleasing tendencies throughout my life that I work on. Um, and I, I think when you are a high achieving person, most likely you have dealt with toxic parents or people in your life to basically make you work hard, really hard. (laughs) And that's kind of a not a good thing, but it's a helpful thing. It's like, if you're going to get something out of being around a toxic person or people, at least it's like, you're going to do well, (laughs) you know, like maybe in your work life, but that doesn't mean that you haven't experienced tremendous amounts of pain and hurt and are still, you know, wanting to heal. So let's talk more about how you get, how this kind of works, how this sort of starts. So this is the conversation I'm absolutely obsessed with and I call it smart girl syndrome. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And you're like, oh yeah, I already know what she's going to say. I already know. I know. (laughs) But I'm I'm obsessed with the language around it, right? Because in the toxic person conversation, trauma bonding, gaslighting, like some of the narcissism, like some of these, these concepts are important, but they're really confusing. Right. And that's where I, that's, I'm giggling and I'm obsessed with it. Those of you who listening, listening to the podcast, you should have seen her reaction when I said the word smart girl syndrome. And she's like, I already know what you're going to say. Right. And, <laughs> and that's fabulous. That's the point. Right. Because then we can make it simple. Right. If you all, if I can stick a label on it and you already know, we have never met before. We've been best friends for 10 minutes now, right? (laughs) So we've been best friends for 10 minutes now and I drop smart girl syndrome on you and you already know, right? And if we can take, that's where it is preventative, precancerous cells, we can simplify the language, Mm. right? And really make a difference and really start helping people. So smart girl syndrome, um, you've never met a problem you couldn't solve. Mm. So you can solve this toxic person problem too. Oh God, yes. So right? true. I spent all my 20s and early 30s trying to solve people problems and they did not get solved. No, and it's the it's the time management technique no one's talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. And people are kind of like, wow, how are you getting these results for your clients? They're getting promotions, they're getting raises. Like, how do people come to you to get over a guy and leave with a promotion? Like how does that even make sense? And I'm like, oh, it makes perfect sense, right? You've been trying to solve toxic people problems. Mm -hmm. You weren't broken. You weren't messed up. You were kind. You had your kindness used against you. You were doing all the work of the relationship. So if we take those strengths and apply them to problems that have solutions, rather than toxic people problems where you're doing all the work of the relationship, hoping the relationship eventually works, wow, you just got promoted. I mean, I had somebody last week in corporate, in corporate, get a 40% raise. Wow. So she was already making over six figures. I I didn't ask her salary, but I'm quite certain she was making well over six figures and got a 40% raise. Mm. Look at all that energy wasted that could be wasted in a good way for you. I mean- Absolutely. That's, I think the biggest thing that I, when it finally hit, I was like, I am tired of putting out, like, I literally remember at the end of like my last serious relationship, I was like, I don't have anything left. Like, I really don't have (laughs) any more energy for anybody who doesn't have their shit together at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, there was a, like a hard stop in my brain that was like, nope, that's it. 
that's all we had. That was all you had for the rest of your life. Like you will not deal with this. And I haven't. And it's amazing how happy, first of all, you get, but how much more you get done and how much more peace. And I think that's what we're all really trying to have here is just more peace in our life and not the either addiction to the the drama of trying to help because most of us are empaths. You know, you want to try to save this person, help this person, but, you know, just really being able to save yourself and be like, I'm going to give all that energy to me and see the mm-hmm. 40% raise of, you know, this client you just have. It's amazing. But it's so consistent because of this system, right? So I believe in high performance healing. I, I believe in it. I think that there, I, I think that there are such things as codependency for sure. I think there's toxic people with to other toxic people, right? But when you can collect these powerhouses of women who it's like, okay, when you needed to get better and pass calculus, what did you do? You worked harder, you put an extra time, you thought about it a lot, you figured out a new strategy, and then you got an A in calculus. And I've heard this story a thousand times. For me, it was um, being a piano player, right? So I had took uh, lessons since I was six years old. I was in my undergrad. I was a piano performance major. I didn't start out playing Beethoven. No. Right? Of course not. But I worked and I worked. And then all throughout high school, I was putting two hours a day in at the piano. When everybody else was, I don't know what they were doing. I was like putting in my time on the piano bench and I got better and I got better and I got better. And I applied, when I apply that to writing a book or running a business or uh, narrowing down my sales funnel or whatever it is as an entrepreneur, dynamite results. Right. Amazing. If you put all that work into a person who is wanting you to do the work anyway, (laughs) you keep running into a dead end. And that's where you ended up like, I have nothing left. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is the strategy? How do women, if they have reached their, their end, they're just like, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. Or even like, maybe there's like a small percentage. They're like, well, maybe I'll just give a little less, but I'm still going to try to work on this person what is your suggestion? How do they start to get back on track for them? Um, definitely read my book. Tell people your book. Yes, yeah, sorry, not but. to be not to be whatever about my stuff, but um, the toxic person proof book. Okay, so the reason I said that is there were hundreds of women surveyed on what talked you into ignoring that behavior. Mm. Right, and so it was like okay. I hear it over and over from women. I saw the red flags. I talked myself out of the red flags. Yes. Why do people do that? Why do they want to talk themselves out of the red flags? We just do not want to see the behavior. We want to see the potential, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's that next step. So being toxic person proof is all about that first step. Okay. You want to clear the slate because you don't want to bring all that baggage into, you know, every guy's terrible, Every mother's terrible. Every what what every boss right. is an asshole. Whatever it is, like you don't you kind of want to start with a clean slate. So you do need at some point to work in a process to clean that slate, mm-hmm. and then it really is way more simple than we're making it. Okay, what are their actions telling me? Now don't talk yourself out of it, <laughs> right? And right. this can be there was a girl fabulous, 
fabulous individual um, and uh, in Europe somewhere. I won't name where she is, <laughs> but she was in Europe somewhere. And, uh, you know, she was like, oh, yeah, I got back from this vacation and she got on this Caribbean vacation and she got back and this guy, she said, I'm back. And he did not immediately set a date with her. Mm. Right. That is all the answer you need. Yep. You've been on a 10 day holiday. He did not immediately say he started talking about his mother or like. <laughs> so that's the woman in his check- life. <laughs> Right, right. Well, let me check with my mother that my schedule. And it's like, no, no, that, that, that's all. We just see people's actions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We just see their actions. And even there's a couple of, well, you, you may understand this. Uh, the, the, the current heartbreak in my life is kind of how people's views of me have changed as I've become more successful. Oh, right? let's it, talk it, about that. Right? And I mean, yes. I'm heartbroken. I mean, I have some friends who were in the trenches with me when my life was terrible. And then they were, when I was on this upward curve of like, I think I'm going to try this. They were supporting me. Yeah. And then I actually pulled it off. I pulled off everything I said I was going to do. I'm not done yet, world. The universe, I'm Never still coming. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, um, but, you know, I pulled it off. And all of a sudden it's like, backing up, Uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. And even in my life, I've had to say some of my friends, it's just like, you know, I've got a great husband. So I'm not, I'm not dating right now. And then I hope to never date again. I'm like, please let's die together. I love you so much. He really is great. (laughs) And, uh, but you know, I have some friends where I'm like, you know, she's just not that into you anymore. That's it. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's, Maybe I'm a jerk now. I don't know. I don't want to assume that it's <laughs> I don't think that's it. That, well, I don't think it is either, but I don't want to be so. <laughs> I work with people who have been traumatized by narcissists, so I don't want to be so narcissistic that I assume. Well, I mean, but uh, we know, you know that the first the first clue that you're not is that you're trying not to be, and you're even thinking about, am I being narcissistic? So A, you're not. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is, you know, and it's... It, Okay, when I was desperate and sad and broken and pitiful, they liked me a lot better. Yeah. Than when I've done the work. Why do you think that is? I think um, they know I didn't, it didn't magically work out. They watched the, the leaps I took over and over, burning down my life, building it back up. Um, and I don't have, I'm really hard. Once you've seen what I went through, okay, it's really, and even in building this business and putting myself out there, the investments I've made in myself, you know, all these kinds of things, the the times I went out for dinner and I would go to someone's birthday dinner and I would have a nine o'clock call. So I would go to dinner with them. I wouldn't drink because I had a call and I would go home and I'd be working at nine o'clock on a Friday night, getting that call. And that's what I did. I don't do that anymore. I've grown past that, but um, thank goodness. But they saw. And so it's really, they know it wasn't handed to me. They know the sacrifices I made weren't, weren't anything that they also could not do. Mm-hmm. And I don't tell them they should. That's your life journey. This is my life journey. It would never, I teach boundaries for a living, right? It would never be appropriate for me to just go around to all my friends and say, guess what? I'm a certified life coach. Would you like me to tell you what you should be doing today? Right? <laughs> Terrible idea. Definitely not what I'm doing. Um, but my life is its legacy. Yeah. Right? Right. 
Uh, I mean, I think that it's all to me, I get very excited when, especially in dating, um, when someone doesn't seem to want to live at the level you're living at, like you're getting to know them. And then suddenly it's just like, oh, this is going well. And then they just disappear Mm -hmm. or not completely disappear, but like, you know, just kind of fade away, whether it's a friendship or dating or whatever. To me, I'm almost like, well, I'm showing up hundred percent here as who I really am and the work that I do and continue to do. And to me, it's almost like a reassurance that like I'm on the right, right path, you know, cause like attracts like, and when you are, you know, for people listening, if you're friends or relatives or partners are suddenly feeling repelled because you're starting to get better and do the work and they see how hard it is and they like you in a smaller place that maybe they feel more powerful and they've always got the answer and now you're getting bigger and better and more like you know kind of quote closer to their level that's intimidating again that's not a person that you need in their in your life like they are giving you a gift, <laughs> like let them yeah. go. And, you know, I think too, if you're still kind of in the beginning stages of, you know, stopping the people pleasing, you can, you know, feel really hurt by something like this. And I, I know that that happened to me years ago now too. I lost like a, a little friend group that I had had for a long time because they only knew me as this really kind of broken, insecure person. (laughs) And then I was like, no, I'm done tolerating this. And I really just like cut things off. And I was like the bad guy, but I'm like, no, you guys are toxic. Mm -hmm. And I never looked back and it, you know, it was still sad, but I'm so glad that that was, you know, that was me standing up for me. And then I feel like the more that you do that, the more it becomes just habit that you wouldn't even think twice about, someone who is being disrespectful or, or whatever the the case is just being toxic. You know, you just don't even allow those people in because there's no room. There's no energy. There's no time. (laughs) I do not hang around people. I have to play small around. Mm -mm. Right. And there's a balance. I'm not like, Oh, did you see how well my podcast performed last week? I mean, that would be like way over the line if that was my personal conversations. And I hardly ever bring up my sure. business life in my, you yeah. know, personal conversations, unless, unless they ask or, you know, it's kind of awkward when you're sitting at dinner with someone and they say, oh yeah, I read your book. And you're like, that's nice. Okay. Oh, <laughs> how'd you like it? You know? And then, then yeah. the conversation tends to turn into the toxic relationships in their life, which it did two weeks ago in this context. But, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, you don't want to have the balance of, um, telling everybody about your work all the time, that would be inappropriate in any situation. However, I do not play small anymore. I do not dim my light so that you like me anymore, mm-hmm. right? And um, it's interesting when I have people get to, there's a several podcasts that I've done on the Toxic Person Proof podcast with my husband and I. Always, the first question they ask is, how do you deal with Sarah's personality as far as, you know, I'm definitely not famous, but you, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Now, like, how do you manage having a strong woman and who's mm-hmm. successful in her own right? And it's the funniest question to my husband. Cause he's like, I've got my own thing going on. What are you even talking about right now? You think I'm sitting around worried about what she's doing professionally, right? Like he's moving and shaking in his own world and he's not worried. I mean, he's supportive, 
you know, we talked today about like, how are we going to celebrate when I finish my next book? And, you know, we always do a little celebration and he's totally supportive, but you think he's sitting around worried about if I'm doing better than him? Mm. No, he's got his own path. And so people who are running on their own path and their own path to achievement and excellence, they're not looking over in my lane. Right. That is a huge point. I mean, it's a huge Mm -hmm. point. And I think, you know, I mean, it definitely brought up things for me right now, just listening. Cause like, you know, I'm certainly looking for that kind of a relationship where we're just equally supportive and we are, you know, in our own lane and doing our own thing and no one's feeling intimidated like at all, because I've been, I've been that person. I've been the competitive person who is like either looking up to my partner or just feeling competitive, but I've also had it the opposite where the guy felt very intimidated by me. And that's kind of been a trend. So, you know, I think just even stopping and being like these relationships exist, these mutually supportive relationships are real and can happen. And, you know, not all guys are awful and want you to be like this little like housewife in the kitchen or something like, you know, whatever old story you have. (laughs) Well, I had a friend, a very close friend, and me and my husband had been dating forever. And he would take me on trips and take me to all these, you know, experiences, right? Whether they be, you know, whatever experiences. And I had a friend, she goes, what? Why would you want to get married? And I said, why wouldn't I? What do you mean? We, we're really happy together. And she goes, you're going to have to have dinner at the table at six. And I said, no, <gasps> I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to uh, have dinner table at six. Sometimes I am. Last night, you know, we both prepped, right? I had a uh, meeting at six. He had a meeting six to seven. I set out some stuff. I think I cut up the broccoli, had bought a rotisserie chicken, cut up the broccoli, said, and he ended up putting it in the oven and then had it when... I got home. Right. And it was a tag team. Um, not a, not a power struggle. Right. And, um, in toxic relationships, there's going to be a power struggle. Right. Right. And that's just, I feel like, you know, for people who are listening right now, who are feeling like, oh, wow, this sounds like my life. Um, what are some of the first steps they should do besides obviously reading your book? (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Well, and and I want to finish that thought on that. So I love books where it's a lot of people's input on it, right? Not some author's opinion. And so when it was all these hundreds of women's and I interviewed them on their blind spots, right? So you saw a red flag because most 13-year-old girls, if I lined up, we do not think of middle school girls as being particularly intelligent. But if I said, (laughs) okay, you know, he's intimidated by you. You don't know where he is sometimes. He's allowed to look at your phone. You're not allowed to look at his phone. Um, You feel almost like he's a parent rather than a partner. There's senses of control. Uh, You know, he makes you feel small. He doesn't like certain things about you. He's trying to change things about you. Every 13-year-old girl would say, no, that is not the boyfriend I want. Right. Okay. But then we're 33, 43, 53, 63. Yeah. Try, oh, well, but he had a bad day at work. He didn't mean mm-hmm. it. He he had a traumatic childhood. He had, It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm obsessed with the conversation about what problem are you trying to solve? And I see a lot of people's healing strategies as just very, like, sporadic. It's like, well, maybe it's trauma. Maybe it's PTSD. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. And when we get into these little micro strategies... Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what's happening here? So a 13-year-old girl would know that was a problem. 
And you at 33 are talking yourself out of it being a problem. Okay, let's solve that very specific issue. So it's not that you aren't picking up on things. You're talking yourself out of things. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a very specific problem to solve that will get you results very quickly because it's just this little tiny box. Yeah. Right. Rather than this huge like, oh, and then I had daddy issues. And when I was five, this happened and I got left. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, that is very overwhelming. Right. I like it. So the smaller you can make the strategy, spot treatment. That's a great, yeah, that's a great uh, thought on it. Um, And I'm always asking people like, what problem are we trying to solve? Can we make the problem smaller? Is that an emotional problem or a practical problem? Mm. Okay, because I see a lot of women. Um, are you familiar with Amy Moran? She read the 13 Things Mentally Strong People no, Don't Do. No, sounds great. Oh, her book is <laughs> fabulous. Uh, and she, she that's her most popular book. She's done several TED Talks, um, or at least one. I shouldn't say several. But um, then she wrote a book called The 13 Things Mentally Strong Women Don't Do. Okay, so one specific specific to everyone and one is to women. And there was this one little tiny sentence in her book, and it said um, that women often try to solve the emotion around the problem, and men are more likely to try to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I love women. I work with women. I am women, right? I am not, this is not <laughs> being, um, ugly about our, you know, our sex. We're we're Um, good people. We're good people. (laughs) Yes. But that line, it was just this little tiny line. And it was just like, you know, all my coaching experience, all my personal experience. And um, I see why women get stuck. Because if you're trying to solve an emotion, I I think about it as like an emotional elephant. Okay. Um, so let's say, uh, well, do you have a problem you're looking to solve in your life? And I can, uh, Oh, me? I'll, I'll use it. Yeah. Oh. If there's anything that comes up, oh, anything. Gosh. Um, yes. Okay. So, um, I'm afraid that I am <laughs> getting a little too stuck like, happily in my own life where I'm kind of like, sure. Like I'll have a partner. Okay. I guess so. But I'm getting really like content and I'm afraid that if I don't try to like open that door to having a partner, I may never at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to be more open to dating, which I am, but I'm also finding that once I start talking to someone, I mean, and this could just be my own experience with like, just, I've done so much work, but I feel that I'm I'm shutting people down really quickly. And I'm like, am I shutting them down too fast? Or is my gut just so hyper? Like, we get this to a T, don't even bother talking anymore. So I don't want to like shut down too fast. But if that makes sense, does that make any sense? Uh, it makes complete sense. Okay. And in the terms of micro strategy, if, if I may break down your problem Please. a bit, because um, I'm, I'm sure this is a problem that many women, if they've been in a toxic relationship, have experienced, you know, getting back into the dating world and that kind of thing. So you have um, the, you know, the emotion of comfort, right? That, that comfort zone. Okay. Then of course there's 
a bit of fear around dating or being in a toxic situation again, right? As, mm-hmm. as anyone is in dating, right? It's uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. And feeding that uncertainty. There's also a strategy, a practical problem to solve of where would I meet someone, mm-hmm. okay? And then the practical problem to solve of uh, how do I trust my gut in a way that it's not overactive, but not right. underactive in the dating process. Yeah. Okay. That sounds right. Those are very... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is what my next book's about. But those are very distinct problems that would each involve different action plans. Okay? okay. How to communicate with someone or find new people or get or get out of a comfort zone. Those are not the same action plans as how do I face fear or how do I avoid getting too comfortable? Okay. That makes sense. Does that yeah, make sense? They're not, yeah. They're not connected really. No, but we all connect them in our heads. Yeah. I mean, my whole story was a dot to dot to dot to dot for what really is just, do. am I trusting my gut accurately? Does the, and I think that's just the problem. Like, I do trust my gut, but I'm like, is it oversensitized at this point? I can't tell. <laughs> yes, but that is a very specific problem to solve. So if you went to you know, a therapist, you might be able to talk for the next three years about getting out of your comfort zone or not getting out of your comfort zone or what is the comfort zone or what, you know, if it's um, kind of ambiguous, what problem you're looking to solve. But if you get real clarity on what problem to solve and you come to a coach or even on your own head, right? You're a fabulous woman and could probably coach yourself on this, right? And (laughs) yeah, girl. Um, uh, But once you get specific into that problem, And it's really like, okay, the problem I'm trying to solve is this, okay? Mm -hmm. That was not an emotion. If you had said, oh, I'm really nervous about getting rejected. Mm -hmm. That's an emotion. Right. That's an emotional elephant, okay? So what I see is a lot of women specifically feeding those emotional elephants. Like, why do you think I'm afraid of being rejected? Why do you think it's scary? Why do you think, do you think something happened in my childhood that, you know, uh, made me have rejection issues? And then do you also know that I'm like kind of broken because I'll never be good enough because I was in this toxic relationship. And then it's just like this elephant gets like, it's so big. And emotional intelligence is super popular right now and amazing. We want to have emotional intelligence. Okay. But I'm a bit concerned that within emotional intelligence, we're kind of stopping in being able to name our emotions, Mm, right? Yeah. And like labeling our emotions, because sometimes that can mean feeding that emotional elephant and starving what could be a practical problem to solve. Right. Do you think that people are, or let me just say women maybe, um, are more likely to go head towards the emotional issue. It's more comfortable. Yeah. Right. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's something naturally we feel as, and you talked about that earlier. Um, so when it is a practical thing, do you think that's maybe why women stop? Cause it's like, oh, I could solve it. And maybe Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to. Well, let me tell you a story about a lady I was working with. She was in the New York area and she was looking to retire. And so she comes to me and we've been working together for a while. And she comes to me and she says, you know, I've really been thinking about my ex lately. We were supposed to retire together. We're supposed to have this wonderful life. And I was like, what? You're thinking about your ex again? Like we took care of this a lot. Like I was like, what? I thought we worked through this. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And I was like, hmm. And then 
as we, this is like a two minute conversation. I said, wait, are you thinking about your ex so you can procrastinate on not having to file the paperwork for your retirement? And she was like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And it was kind of one of those things like with the smart girl, like even before I was finished talking, she was like, and that's where this work is developed, you know, even with the, you know, toxic people and toxic situations, it's like, well, I need to get better at boundaries. No, you need to get away from a toxic person. <laughs> Period. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and, and better boundaries don't change their personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I need to get past my fear. I need to get past people pleasing. I need to get past boundaries. I need to get past this. It turns into these emotional elephants that we actually use to procrastinate. Just doing it. And think about in a toxic relationship. What are all your thoughts about them? Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so then it's more comfortable in this woman's situation. She had, it was more of a habit to try to solve the problem of him than it was to try to solve the other problems in her life. Ugh, ding, 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 chicken dinner. Oh my gosh, that's right. That's right. It's so scary to actually do what you want to get what you (laughs) want than it is to just stay in the puddle of misery that you're, you know, swimming around in. Uh And oh gosh, that just makes so much sense. That's such a easy yet difficult thing to do. I think if people would just look, yeah, find the practicality of the problem. And if Mm -hmm. there is something you can do right now, just do it. Literally just Mm -hmm. do it. You know, that's how life keeps moving. Otherwise you will just continue to feel stuck and you will stay around the same partner or people that are toxic and you will continually be their therapist forever. It's just boring. I don't know. That sounds awful. The title of the book is actually getting unstuck. You know, it's going to my editor March 7th. So, you know, it's, it's uh, in the final, I have all these test groups going through it, but it is, it's getting unstuck and simple strategies for difficult decisions. And when you can start to separate, okay, Mm -hmm. here's the emotions. Here's the practical problems to solve. How do I focus my energy on the practical problems to solve? Recognize that I'm like, it's almost like a wind, like blowing you into those emotional problems, right? Because we are more comfortable and we can use them as self-sabotage and procrastination and call it emotional health. It's not. It's, oh man, this is so good. When is your new book coming out? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'll have to talk to my PR agent and see oh that she's going to let me release it. Goodness, but I, I, I will send it to you. And I, I'm just, it, it, it's hard for me to even speak about it without like weeping. Like I literally like start to tear up because I feel like, oh, I've got the cure for cancer. Like, oh my gosh, like yeah. this is what's been happening. And um, it's kind of like a like flame retardant material or aluminum foil or some of these things that were developed in like wartime, right? And so when people went to war, they had to figure out, I think the microwave was, you know, all these like inventions that happened in the wartime material, uh, war times. And that's what I feel like within these like really terrible, confusing, toxic relationships, like trying to develop problem-solving strategies for women, um, that where the consequences 
not usually life and death, but it felt life and death to them. Like, mm-hmm. am I really uprooting my life? Am I really divorcing my father and my child? Am I really yeah. going through a court battle? Am I really um, breaking up with someone I've given five years of my life to? You know, it felt life and death to them. Sure. It felt like a wartime. It was that confusing. Right. And trying to be get, get obsessed with like, how do I make this feel simple? Like, what's happening, you know, and make it simple. So you take away that sense of helplessness. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you're swimming those emotions and all you can see is like an emotional elephant that's probably like pooping on you, right? (laughs) And you're just like, ah, I can't even see past it, right? And uh, it's so much better when you can get into those micro strategies and those tiny problems like, okay, I can do this. And then, and I I talk about it going um, from spaghetti thinking, right? And even as you told me your problem, it was a bit, spaghetti. You, it you felt, rebounded very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Right. But it was like, cause that's what we're used to doing. And we go to therapy and we spend an hour kind of spaghettiing. Right. And that's right. what we think we're supposed to do. We think that's our only option. Um, and really taking it from what I call spaghetti to waffles, which <laughs> is just this one little tiny problem. Okay. Uh, is it a communication problem? Is it right. a legal problem? Is it a um, client acquisition problem? Is it a toxic person problem? Right? Whatever it is, these little tiny waffles that make up these micro strategies that really allow women to get unstuck. Oh, I love this. I love this so much. This conversation I feel is so important and you're the best. Like, I love what you're doing. I'm going to read your first book. It sounds so good. Thank <laughs> your second you. Book sounds so good. Tell people how they can find you. Absolutely. So Sarah with the H K Ramsey.com. Remember Sarah Ramsey was not toxic person proof. She did not do what she needed to be doing. Um, (laughs) Sarah K Ramsey is a much improved version. I actually called it Sarah 2.0 for a while. Um, And if you look up toxic person proof, you can find my podcast, toxic person proof, my book, toxic person proof. Um, I do read the audio book. I, I do try to be funny. It's such a, such a dark, sad place uh, to live in. And so I joke that if bossy pants, Tina Fey's bossy pants met the sociopath next door and they had a baby, <laughs> like that would be the toxic person proof book. Um, so I, I do both. try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like, oh, I want to bring um, that clarity and, and light and laughter and hope into the conversation because you've read so many, yeah. you know, the books on narcissism and personality disorders. It's just like, well, you can't change them. They ruin your life. They're all the same book. Like, it's just like... It is. It's the same stuff. (laughs) Whoa. You know? um, Yeah. And that's why I want to incorporate some of these problem-solving strategies, micro-strategies to help people feel like they can move forward. So definitely, you can Google Toxic Person Proof and you'll find me. I love it, Sarah K. Ramsey. You're the best. Thank you so much. You need to come back on. We'll just keep talking about toxic stuff. We'll just talk about your book. It finally comes out. You just let me know. We'll talk about that. I will do it. It should be this year. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl the Podcast.